Um, this morning, the message is on the temptation of Jesus, but I entitled it Believe and Declare. And the, uh, the understanding, you know, in our Sunday school lesson and the songs that we just sang, um, I, I was very, uh, I liked those scriptures, there's lots of scriptures you like, but this one in particular for our Sunday school lesson is that Jesus is a seated high priest, that he ever lives to make intercession for us. And the, the question is, when Jesus is praying for us, what is he saying? You know, he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's a seated high priest. He's the great high priest. So what is Jesus praying over us? Well, I can tell you. <laughs> He is stating the word that is already written over us. Because he is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. That word doesn't change when he was resurrected from the dead and, and ascended into heaven. The word is still the same. And in that group of scriptures that we spoke of this morning, that we are to come boldly into the presence of God, in the presence of Jehovah, we are to come boldly into the presence of God for what reason? To hear the word spoken over our life and to pray the word over our life back to God. Because it isn't enough for God to speak the word, to live the word, for the word to be written in a form that we can read and understand. It's allowing that word to become part of who we are. So whenever we are in the presence of Jehovah, we are allowing the word, the spirit, our knowledge, our heart, our conversation to become one with God. So we are one with God and we are allowing that to influence our life and the influence of that helps deal, well, it drives out all fear, malice, envy, strife, deceit, those things are to be gone from our life and the word is to live within us so that we have this power with God. We have power with God because of his grace and his mercy. That divine influence on our life is grace and mercy. The divine influence on our life is to cast out all fear. The divine influence upon our life is to push aside and get rid of malice and, and, and deceit and, uh, you know, uh, untruthfulness, telling lies. You know, we are to speak the truth in love. And we are to, so in this presence of God, we are to allow his word to saturate our life so that we can move forward in our spiritual growth and our spiritual development. So whenever we are looking at the temptation of Jesus, we are finding out that, the temptation proves to us in, uh, two things. One is that Jesus is divine. And second, Jesus is human. <laughs> because if he were not divine, the devil wouldn't be there to try and sidetrack him. And if he wasn't human, he wouldn't be able to sidetrack him. So in our life, we have these, this conflict that goes on. And it's a conflict between good and evil. The same temptations the devil brought to Adam and Eve is the same temptation he brought to Jesus. It's the same temptation he brings to us. 
lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, <laughs> that he brought Jesus after 40 days of fasting, he brought Jesus to the point where he was hungry, and the physical need was to turn the rocks to bread. And we're going to go over this in a minute, but I'm outlining it. So he turned rocks to bread. So it's, this is going to look good. I, I, this, is going to be, look, this is going to look good on your resume, Jesus. <laughs> You're hungry, and you turned rocks to bread, and you took care of yourself. Or the other one is, let's go to the temple and stand at the temple because the temple was the place where the Messiah was supposed to come. And let's stand upon the pinnacle of the temple, overlook the temple and overlook Jerusalem and turn the other way and overlook the countryside. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this possession and power. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> and then the third one is the mountaintop, the high mountain. I'll give you all the land. I'll give you the world if you'll just bow down and worship me. All of these things were shortcuts to bypass the cross. That Jesus knew what he was there for. Satan didn't know. If he knew that Jesus was there to die, he would have never had him crucified. So he was playing on the need and what was going on. He was playing on the circumstances to try and get Jesus to bypass the cross and give to him this place that he thought was his, the devil. The devil thought the world was his because Adam and Eve gave, it, gave their title deed to him. But the devil was trampling on sacred ground because Jesus owns this place. <laughs> Jesus owns this world. He created it. He spoke it into existence, and it's all there by his hand and his voice and his speaking. And the devil was trying to barter with something that wasn't even his. So in the temptations we find in our own life, the devil is bartering with something that isn't even his. He barters with us over pride. He barters with us over power. He barters with us, you know what, if you own this, you're going to be more than what you are. He barters with these things and he uses them to try and leverage his influence in our life and if we will just focus on Christ, all of that loses its power and what he is bartering with, God has exceedingly abundantly provided for us beyond that. So that's why as we look at this, these few scriptures here in Matthew chapter 4, that it, it gives to us an image of Jesus being tempted and tested, but it also gives to us an understanding that even in our own temptation, temptation isn't sin. You know, Jesus was tempted in all points, such as we are, yet without sin. He didn't give in to the temptation. So we're tempted. We just don't need to give in to it. And if we try and stand in the circumstance in our own power, in our own strength, well, we're going to fail. We don't have the strength to stand against Satan. God does. So it isn't that Satan is too powerful. It's that Christ in us is greater than, you see, he that, is, he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Satan, evil. So whenever we look at these things and we're frightened, maybe at temptations and what's going on in the world, we need to pull back into our presence with Jehovah and understand and that's not pulling back. That's, that's going into where we get a clear vision 
of what's going on in the world. What's going on in the world is we're coming to the end. <laughs> we're coming to the end in which the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up and to go into the air. So we don't need to worry about it. That, but we need to do our best to save, to be the light of Christ in the world that we are in. So a person has not, has not shown true obedience. Oh, this is another, I like this thing. We haven't really shown true obedience unless we've had the opportunity to disobey. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. You know, true obedience is you've, we, are, we are obeying Christ. Well, have you ever been tempted not to obey? Your convictions and your uh, solidarity of your faith, the solidity of our faith, the foundation of our faith, the rock, Jesus Christ, that we've been tempted to step off the rock. <laughs> well, we obey because, and, and because we've been tempted and we refuse, to, we refuse to step off of our foundation, that's good. It isn't that we have been tempted, it's that we, have been, we know the conviction and we know the power of the word to stay firm upon Christ. So we find that our convictions are only strong if they hold up under pressure. So, you know, you know what a diamond is, don't you? It's a lump of coal that's stuck together under pressure. <laughs> so if you get enough pressure on a lump of coal, you can have a diamond. So we'll go home and try that, right? <laughs> Let's just hit it with a sledgehammer. That doesn't work. Um, I'm kind of... Take a breath. <laughs> um, what's that? Oh, my coffee was strong this morning, you know. It's not, no, it's not, that's not it. Sometimes I get talking and just need to take a breath and let it all sink in, right? that, uh, Terry, you need to put up the time. Uh, I, need to, I don't want to get lost here in time. Let it go. You'll be here till 1 o'clock. <laughs> so what happened to the preacher? I don't know. He's still preaching. We all left. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? So um, anyhow, the temp you know, again, the temptation is... Uh, you know, as a, as a preacher, people are going to be, you know, if you present the message right, people are going to like it, you know. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but if the, the Spirit doesn't empower the message, it doesn't stick. So it isn't that we don't hear the truth. It's trying to allow the truth to be part of who we are. So verse 4 of chapter, chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 1. <laughs> then the Spirit led Jesus. Now, we would think that being led by God means that we are being led to a place where, of safety and security. We would think that if God is, God is leading me, why do I have these problems? <laughs> well, we don't recognize how strong our convictions are until we find a place where we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Where we allow the word of God to filter into us the strength that is there in the scriptures and in the word and by the Holy Spirit. So the, 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 the Spirit led Jesus 
into the desert, into the wilderness, to be tempted. You know, God, I got a hard enough time as it is. <laughs> I don't need to be led into temptation. <laughs> but you know what? We pray in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Do not allow me to be led into the place where, you know, temptation is that we are drawn away by our own lusts. God doesn't tempt, God tempts no man. We are tempted by our own desires. So when it says that Jesus, when God would lead us, lead us not into temptation, God, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, this temptation was the marking the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And we know that Jesus was tempted on all points as we are yet without sin. So here we have Jesus being led by the Spirit into the desert, and he's fasting for 40 days. Now, there are different ways that people think of this, that during the 40 days, at different intervals, Jesus was tempted. Well, the most, I don't want to say the most popular, or the, I think the, the, the best interpretation is, Jesus, after 40 days, is at his weakest point. This is when the devil shows up and tempts him. <laughs> so whenever we are at our weakest moment, that's when we're going to find an open door for failing, for falling off the wagon, for whatever you want to term it, for, falling in, for allowing ourselves to go into temptation. So anyhow... Uh, led Jesus into the desert, to the wilderness, to be tempted and tested by the devil. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Now, this testing time of Jesus shows that he is the Son of God and shows that he is man. Because God is not, God, um, Jesus in his weakness had shunned his, had set aside his divinity, and so Satan comes to try and, you know, tempt him. To, to do things, you know, turn bread and turn rocks into bread. But uh, this was about, if you're really God, you know, what is it to transform this? Remember when Jesus is on the road into, into the temple, into Jerusalem on the Good Friday? He says, if these people hold their voices, the very rocks will cry out. <laughs> so the, the rocks could be anything Jesus says they are because he spoke them into existence. And if he spoke them into, speaks them into existence, he can change the rocks into bread. Jesus can turn the difficulties that we face completely around into something that it was, but it isn't anymore. <laughs> okay? That doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> but it does. He can turn something that was into something that it wasn't for a good need, for something else. You have a problem. It looks like the end of the world, but God can turn it around and make it the best thing that ever happened in our life. Amen. Thank you. All right, so. Um, <laughs> so the mission of the devil is to tempt us. The mission of the devil is to steal, to kill, and to destroy, to take away from us what God has intended us to be. The devil, is, his whole program, his whole format is to tear apart what God is trying to build. Okay? 
What God is trying to build in our life is the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, in us, as it is in heaven. Do not allow there to be any influence in my life that would hinder the will of God, just like there is no, in heaven there's no influence that is able to hinder the will of God. We pray it every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. The devil has come to Jesus to tempt him, saying, if you are, okay, if you are the Son of God, he, he tries to get Jesus to doubt who he is. <laughs> Does the same thing to us. Do you really think you're the child of God? <laughs> Do you really think that you have power and influence beyond your natural abilities? Do you really think? You see, those are the, that's the doubt. It's a, it's a subtle thing. Hath God said, that's what he said to Adam and Eve, hath God said? And so he challenged the very word of God given to Adam and Eve about the garden and about don't eat of the forbidden fruit. So hath God really said this? Do you really think that's you? That you are capable of becoming more than what you are right now? Do you really think that? You see, the doubt isn't coming from you. The doubt is a whisper in your ear, in your conscience, that is not you and it's not God. Excuse me. When, when it's not God telling you to doubt who you are and what you're to become. But it's, it's, it's the devil. God doesn't come to tempt us, and the temptation is to pull us away from the truth and the security of what we know. And the temptation is to give up on a promise because do you really think? See, that's the doubt. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us a spirit of doubt. He's given us a power and a love that is an overcoming power and love and strength. So, if you are the Son of God, okay, <laughs> testing is to see Jesus show, is he really the Son of God? So I'm going to let you prove it, Jesus. I want you to command these rocks to become bread and turn them into, turn them into loaves. <sighs> okay, if you are really a person of faith, let's turn this around and make it what it isn't. Now, there's a time for the miracle. There's a place for the miracle. And the problem with Jesus, Jesus turned five loaves and two fish into food that would feed thousands of people. There was nothing wrong with that. It was the wrong place and the wrong time. It was a temptation rather than a miracle. Huh. Hmm. And see, sometimes God doesn't answer the prayer that we thought he was going to, and we're in here going back and forth, well, if I was really a Christian, if you were really a person of faith, you wouldn't have this, this, and this, that, you know? And, and God is wanting us, it isn't that it's the wrong thing, it's the wrong time. Because if I do this now, maybe it's pride. Lust of the eyes is going to make me look good. It's going to make me feel good. It's going to make me more important in the eyes of man, <laughs> you see. And God is saying to us, I can do this, but not right now, because you're not in the right place spiritually for all of this to happen. <laughs> I 
smile. Fresh air is good for your teeth. <laughs> you see, God has a way of turning things and making them in their right time, in the right proportion. Jesus answered and said, so there was a challenge to him, are you the son of God? Do this. If you really believe, do this. But you see, well, let's go back. Verse 4. And Jesus answered, it is written, a person lives not on bread alone, but by everything God says. Every word that comes out of God's mouth. So hungry and weak, fasting for 40 days, Jesus did not use his divine power to satisfy his natural desire. You see, eating is good, but the timing was wrong. So if God, when God, doesn't answer your prayer the way you think he should, don't get upset. Because we're talking about growing up. That's what our Sunday school lesson was about maturing. Verse 5. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city with Jerusalem, put him up on a high place, the highest point, the pinnacle of the temple. And the devil says, if you are the son of God, jump off. <laughs> because it is written in the scriptures. So the devil then uses what Jesus said in the first temptation. It is written. You don't live by bread alone. So the devil now brings the scripture against Jesus. Here is the author of the word, the living word, and the devil brings Jesus' own words back at him. Did you ever have someone take your words completely out of context and use them against you? <laughs> I remember one time I, I said... Um, Someone had made it, when I was, had the found, found over the foundation at the hospital, and this person was wanting to get some of the funds out of the foundation that somebody else had put in. And I said, do you think that they use this as a place just to get a tax, a tax exemption? Do you really think that that's what they would use this money for, just to get a tax exemption? The person I was speaking to called this other person up and said, you know what, Reverend McGee said. He said, you put this in there, you made this contribution just to get a tax deduction. That person called me up and said, did you say that? Well, not in the context that you're repeating it. <laughs> this is what happens here. This is not the context of what it was written as. You see, the devil took the holy city of Jerusalem. He said, if you are the son of God, jump. And then he said, it is written, he has put his angels in charge of you or will order his angels to protect you. They will catch you in their hands so that you will not hit your foot on a rock. So you see, he brought the scriptures in to trick, try and trick Jesus at, the, at his own word. And the devil uses scripture to tempt Jesus with a wrong meaning. Jesus is able to resist the temptation because he not only knew the scripture, he was able to obey it. You see, God's word is a sword to use in battle, sharp and dividing. You see, we're able to understand what the truth is about because Jesus answered that you do not test the Lord your God. You don't test God 
You know, there was, there was some people in Johnstown, this is when I was about 35 years ago, they were, they were in a prayer meeting on a second story of a, of a home, and people walked off the balcony because they believed that God would catch them if they fell. And they fell. <laughs> and, and they were, you know, it's like, you, you know, that's, you know, they felt God wanted them to walk off the balcony. This expression of their faith, they did it. They broke their leg. <laughs> you see, that was not the right application of that truth. You see, Jesus said in a parable that people who do not believe the written word will not believe if someone comes back from the dead. So you see, like, I've got to prove. No, I don't have to prove. I already know. <laughs> I don't have to prove that if I walk off the balcony that God will catch me. I already know that if I'm doing my life and living my life that God will take care of me. It's like the missionary in Africa. He was being chased <laughs> by people who were going to kill him. And he was running through the jungle, running, you know, he came to this river and he said, God, if I die, I die with the crocodiles, or I die here, I am going across. And he ran across the water and walked on water. And the people who were following him, of course, they didn't try it. <laughs> but he escaped. He, his, his life was spared because in that moment, he was able to walk on water. It's written in a book, I forget the name of it. I'll come up with it later, maybe. But it writes, it, you know, he's writing about these miracles that happen. So you see, God has a way of doing things. And in, in the third, verse 8, Then again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. And the devil said, If you will bow down, you'll fall down and worship me. I will give you these things. The temptation was, I'm going to give you this world as a political leader. And Jesus had come, the, come as the Messiah. Not only to rule over that, rule and reign over Jerusalem and over that which is yet to come, but he came to save the world from their sin. And see, the devil was trying to get him to have a shortcut. Rather than becoming the Messiah, I'll just let you be a ruler. But the devil was trying to give him something that wasn't his to give. You see, pride is going to make me more than what I am. You're just a, a, you're just a, a carpenter from a no, you're no account carpenter from a village, and you think in the next couple, you think in your lifetime you're going to be able to win the world back. I'm going to tell you something, Jesus. I'll give it to you right now. I'll give you everything you need right now if you'll just bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, go away from me. Get out of here. It is written in the scriptures, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, in our life, are these good things that the devil is tempting Jesus with? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to give him bread when he's hungry. He's going to prove that God will pick him up if he falls down. And he doesn't have to waste his time living out the next three years and dying on a cross. I'll, let you, I'll give it to you now. 
You see, those are all shortcuts. shortcuts. And the, the, the understanding is that in our heart, we need to know what is the truth of God's word and what is a temptation. And sometimes the temptation can be dressed up like an answer to prayer. <laughs> and, and I think that that's the point of maturity, is that whenever we come into the presence of God boldly, that we are able to distinguish what is really the answer to our prayer and what it is that helps us to mature and grow in the foundation of our faith that will last in eternity. Because often we will be tempted with what we see. We will be tempted with our pride. What's, you know, build me up. And we're tempted with what's going to make me more than what I am. And we often, those things are associated with things. Food, privilege, the whole world. And those are all good, but they're not correct. The great is we don't live by bread alone. We don't tempt God. <laughs> and Satan, <laughs> we're only going to worship our Father, and there's no shortcuts to our worship. Amen? So we come boldly to the throne of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We resist him by our understanding and knowing of the word and coming boldly into the presence of God and asking God for the truth of what lies before us because God sees it for what it is. And sometimes it isn't that it's wrong, it's the wrong place. It's the wrong time. And it's the wrong way. It isn't that it's wrong. It can maybe come later. Jesus got all of these things later, but the way that God had intended them to be. So these, and that, that's the strength of our faith and the wisdom of the word and the, an understanding of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. That I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We never need to be upset that these things will trick us because God lead me not into temptation. See? God, help me to see what you see. Give me the strength and the understanding of your word that in everyday life, I know that I am safe in your, heart, in your arms, safe in the arms of my Father. So if we are afraid... This is, this is not what God intended. That's not God speaking to you. What God is speaking to you is love, peace, mercy, and grace. That's what he's speaking to us. Jesus never lost these things. He allowed them to keep him in his very weakest moment. So we allow the very same thing, the love of the Father, the oneness that we have with God and that his grace and mercy, his divine influence, his divine favor, his giftings rest upon us. So in this, I am safe today, 
tomorrow, and for eternity. And nothing can ever remove me from his hand. Amen? Let's stand. Rhonda had on her devotion this morning. It was Psalm 91, verse 9 and 10. It says, If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. (laughs) No harm will overtake you. No disaster will even come near your tent. Because the Lord is my refuge. The Most High is my dwelling place. No harm. No harm. No harm. (laughs) Only peace. Hedge of protection. Blessing flowing into our life because we are his children and we are highly favored in his being his child. Father, thank you for your word. Let the truth of your word and the Holy Spirit make these things real to our hearts and minds. May we walk in quietness, yet strength. May we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, yet not flaunting it. May we have faith enough to absorb all the fiery darts of the enemy. May we have this power of your word to wield the sword of the Spirit with cunning and with great accuracy, that, Lord, in our hearts we would know the truth. And the truth will keep us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.